Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox understands small business insurance isn't like other insurance. To learn more about how Hiscox Insurance can protect your business, go to Hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. have to view it as a journey and that you're not going to achieve your goals and accomplishments right away. And that's really hard, I think, for entrepreneurs who are smart and ambitious and know that they can do it because they can. It just might be a longer time frame than they planned for. And I say that because you learn things along the way, for instance, like hiring too quickly that you don't do again. You don't know what you don't know until you do it. And because entrepreneurship is an iterative process and these failures become lessons, you have to be patient with yourself in the time horizon in which success will come. Welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. I'm Lou Casal. On this show, I talk with entrepreneurs who chased after a dream without any idea of how it would turn out. Let's face it, nothing great is achieved without risk. Do you have what it takes? Hi, everyone. You know, as I travel around and meet new entrepreneurs, I always enjoy talking with people who have grown up in a home where one or both parents were small business owners. I'm always curious to learn more about how that experience has shaped their views on business, career, and life. On today's show, you'll meet Tina Tran Neville. Tina is the founder of Transcend Academy, which offers test preparation and college advising services. Tina has quite a journey to share, from a Vietnamese refugee to the U.S. Foreign Service to high school teacher and now to the founder of her own company. I talk with Tina about her childhood, what she learned from her parents who were first-generation small business owners, and how she has handled the challenges and opportunities of launching and growing her own business. Tina, welcome to Side Hustle to Small Business. Thanks, Lou. I'm glad to be here. Well, I'm glad you're here to share your story with us today because your story is really what the American dream is all about. So let's start with your childhood. Your parents immigrated from Vietnam to the U.S. when you were very young. Can you tell me a little bit about where you grew up and just talk a little bit about your upbringing? Yes. So I was born in Vietnam. And about two months after I was born, my parents decided to flee Vietnam uh, because they realized that the future there at the time was not what they wanted to provide for me. So they fled westward and they walked from Vietnam through Cambodia after the Khmer Rouge were there, and then to refugee camp in Thailand. So they have a remarkable story and journey. Um, And then we spent about a year and a half in multiple refugee camps before a church in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, sponsored our family to the United States. So I grew up in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, which is a suburb of Tulsa, Oklahoma, and for the most part, had a really great childhood. Uh, You know, my childhood was split between two worlds in the sense that on the one hand, it was very much an immigrant experience because my parents engaged with other people in the Vietnamese and Cambodian community in Broken Arrow. And then on the other hand, I also was just a kid going to school with all the other kids in very much American Midwestern experience. And so all in all, though, it gave me 
great appreciation for the immigrant experience as well as for, you know, the Midwestern American experience. And I think I'm all the better for it. You know, when we were talking earlier, Tina, we could spend an entire episode talking (laughs) about your parents' journey. But just to move things along, what I found really interesting about um, their background was they eventually became small business owners as well. So I'm curious to get your thoughts just in terms of were there any early lessons that you learned about business growing up as the daughter of first-generation small business owners? Absolutely. I think there are two big lessons I learned from watching their entrepreneurship journey. The first is that small business is really hard work. So you can imagine my parents were immigrants to America. English was their second language. They were just trying to make it. They had six children in America because they wanted to have many children so that we would have each other as we grew up to lean on. And they worked really, really hard. Uh, They had a convenience store. So my mom would wake up at five o'clock every morning and drive 30 minutes to open the convenience store herself. My dad had a regular job as well so that he could have insurance for our family. When my dad got off work at 3.30, then he would join my mom at the convenience store. And then the kids would join my parents cleaning the stores after school. And so it was a lot of hard work for them. And it was a lot of hard work for us. But that really shaped my experience that, you know, first, small business is hard work. But secondly, that it truly is a family affair, whether you're actually doing it yourselves by working or supporting. And that's really helped me in my own entrepreneurship journey, too. We're going to jump ahead to college in a minute, but you were the first person to go to college in your family. But it sounds like your dad was the first person that had a side hustle in the family. Am I right? (laughs) My dad was the one who had a side hustle. Yep, he he worked at American Airlines uh, for more than 30 years, retired from American Airlines. But his second shift was helping my mom in the convenience stores, <laughs> cleaning, whatever. <laughs> so I just want to establish that there is hustle in the DNA. Let's just, let's just establish <laughs> that for the record. We're just trying to make it, Lou. This is the immigrant story. We're all just trying to make it. (laughs) Well, you've done more than make it, and we're going to get to that. Let's fast forward to college. You went to the University of Tulsa, then you went to grad school at Yale, and then after Yale, you joined the U.S. Foreign Service. What did you do in the U.S. Foreign Service, and, and what was that experience like? I really enjoyed my foreign service career. So in the U.S. Foreign Service, you're diplomats overseas, so you represent the U.S. government in different countries. They're the people who work at embassies and consulates abroad. So I served in three countries overseas. I served in Vietnam, in Pakistan, and in Iraq. And what I did in those three places were visa issues. So interviewed people who wanted visas to the United States. I did public affairs issues. So helped share the story of what's happening overseas. And then I also did political issues. So did a little bit of government to government uh, relationship work. I chose those three countries and they're not the easiest of countries to be in, Vietnam, Pakistan, and Iraq. But I chose them because to me, I wanted to go where the needs of the service were the greatest. You know, I shared earlier, my family are Vietnamese refugees to the United States. My dad was in the military, and I have this deep appreciation of all the opportunities I have in the United States. And so for me, in my foreign service career, I wanted to go to countries where I could also further those opportunities for the people we were trying to help um, in those countries. Um, And so I loved it. I learned a lot, and I was in the foreign service for five years. So you did that for five years, and on 
the theme of service, you then moved to Washington, D.C., I believe, and that's when you became a teacher. So what, what drew you to teaching? So what drew me to teaching was just really a deep passion for education. So when I was in the Foreign Service, you work on grand policies. You're working on government-to-government relationships. So in Pakistan, we were working on how we can support aid to Pakistan at the time. In Iraq, it was in 2006 and 2007, so we're in the middle of a Iraq war. Um, so we work on big picture policy, and the one thing that was missing for me was how does this impact individual people's lives? And so when I left the Foreign Service and I was ready to come home to the United States, I really wanted to work on something where it could impact individual people's lives, and for me, that meant an education and being a teacher. So I was a teacher in Washington, D.C. at public schools and at private schools where I could really see the impact I had on my students. And that was really fulfilling for me. And what grade were you teaching? Was it elementary, middle, (laughs) high school? Yeah, I taught middle school and high school. So I taught 6th, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, the the fun years. (laughs) Those are the fun years. students test boundaries in middle school and trying to figure out how to just grow up. And then in high school, when they're trying to become an adult. um, But I really love that age because you're both nurturing as well as guiding um, them to become adults. So while you're teaching, that's when you started a side hustle. So you started tutoring a couple students on the side. Did you start tutoring primarily for the extra income? What was the motivation there? Yes. So I did do it for the extra income. I had just left a full-time job with the State Department with benefits and then started teaching initially as a substitute and then moving to a full-time position. So I just practically needed to pay my bills in Washington, D.C. So then that's why I tutored on the side. So you start tutoring on the side, but then you realized very early on that there was a much larger opportunity around tutoring. What did you see at that time and, and what happened next? Yeah, sure. So what I saw was that these students deserved people who tutored, who wanted to truly help them. Um, And so also what I saw is that some of my students couldn't afford private tutoring. And that really spoke to me as an immigrant who grew up in the United States, who maybe didn't have a lot of access to resources growing up, how could I help my students, whether they were at my public schools or my private schools, receive high quality tutoring um, outside of school? And that's something that I really thought about and then eventually uh, became my full-time hustle in my own company, Transcend Academy. So now we'll segue over to Transcend Academy. And now you're a CEO, and that means you've got all the responsibilities that come with that title. What was it like transitioning from being a teacher slash tutor to founder slash CEO? What was that transition like? Oh, it was a big transition. I don't know how else to say it. It was so big. I mean, I wanted to be a teacher and that really is still where my heart is. That's my happy place. Whenever I get to work with students and see how they're learning and see them happy and then quite frankly, see their families happy because, you know, parents just want their children to be happy too. That is really my happy place. But now I'm translating that into the business side, which means like, okay, am I charging enough to pay my bills? Wait, but I 
also am growing, so I need to hire more people. Oh, no, now I need to figure out how to train my teachers so that everyone is a high-quality teacher. And then as you grow programs, you need to make sure that the scheduling is right. And then as you have more and more clients, you need to make sure that customers are always happy. Um, So I learned a lot (laughs) in that transition from being a teacher to a CEO, but I wouldn't have it any other way because we get to help more students. And that really is why I started doing this. Not only did you have more responsibility, you had a problem all businesses would love to have in their first year. You saw a lot of growth. So you took on more students, you needed to hire more advisors. What do you think was driving that growth at the time? For me, it's really just to help more students. So I really like impact and I really like scale. So what really drives me is growth, right? So I love helping my students in the classroom, but then there's other students I want to help. And so that need to really touch people's lives and impact more and more people is really what drove that desire to grow. But I also know that not all entrepreneurs are like that. And so for me, over time, I realized that is how I like to operate. And that is my happy place as long as we're growing. But there's a lot of lessons I need to learn along the way. And I'm still learning today. So <laughs> I'm still learning. <laughs> so you're, you're a first-time CEO. The business is growing. And then your husband who oh, yeah. works for the State <laughs> Department, he gets a new assignment and then yep. it's off to Thailand. Yeah. So <laughs> How are, and so here's the big question. How are you able to run the business while living abroad? How are you able to pull that off? So, you know how I told you uh, that growing up, I saw my parents succeed in entrepreneurship right. by it being a family affair. In the same vein, um, the only way that it could have grown and sustained all this time is the support of my husband, for sure. You know, he was super patient whenever I would have to take calls early on in the middle of the night, cancel plans last minute because I had to make sure our clients were happy, fly to Washington, D.C. for months and months at a time to train our staff in Washington, D.C. and train our new teachers. And the family affair part is really what allowed this company to be sustainable over these last nine years and grow over these last nine years. I'm guessing you had to become very familiar with all the different time zones you've lived in while running your business. Oh, no. Yeah, absolutely. Google Calendar has this great function where you can like see multiple time zones at the same time. So I knew exactly when Thailand and Washington, D.C. time zones were. It's still, it's still you know, there's still a couple of mistakes along the way, but I became very familiar with technology to allow that to happen. <laughs> we'll be right back after a quick break. Side Hustle to Small Business is brought to you by Hiscox Insurance. Hiscox, the business insurance experts who tailor intelligent insurance solutions to fit each business's very specific needs. Get a quote or purchase a policy at Hiscox.com. Hiscox, encourage courage. I'm curious, as the business grows, you know, all, a couple words that all business owners learn early on is change, yep. pivot. How mm-hmm. has your business changed over the years? How has it gone from, it started out as a tutoring business, but I, I know it's evolved over the years. Can you talk a little bit about that? So in the beginning, it was a tutoring business where I would just help students with academic tutoring. So math, science, English, whatever they needed help with. And then as you do a good job, more families refer. And so then I was training other teachers to do the same thing. But then I realized that's a lot of training to make sure you have high quality math, science, and English. And so then we had to 
pivot and narrow down to, okay, what are people really wanting combined with what do I value as an entrepreneur? And for me, what I valued is the next step of education. And so we pivoted down to, okay, what if we help students with math and English and reading on standardized tests in preparation for college admissions? Um, and so we, when we focused on that, um, we started becoming really good at that and then caught the attention of a couple of schools in Washington, D.C. And then eventually the Department of Education in Washington, D.C. that approached us to see if we wanted to be part of a pilot program to provide SAT and ACT prep at multiple schools across the school district. And then when we pivoted and focused, we were able to specialize on that. Since then, though, we've also added college admissions to our services. And then now we're also piloting further online English language training because we're realizing that some of our international students need to increase their English language ability before they can even be ready to prepare for U.S. college admissions. So, you know, that's the evolution of business. Along the way, can you share any of the more challenging moments that you've had uh, in in being a first-time business owner? Absolutely. There's lots. Um, But I am so appreciative of them because you grow over time with them. So I think one of the first ones is my first year. I had just transitioned from U.S. State Department, where it's a bigger organization and a bigger bureaucracy. And so things are done at a grander scale to then a teacher, to then a solo entrepreneur. So in my mind, in my first year, we had to have a nice office. We also had to have multiple staff people. And guess who funded that? (laughs) My first year, that would be my extra funding I received from growing, going to critical places like Iraq and Pakistan. So my savings <laughs> funded that in my first year. And then wonderfully, my husband, who was the one who had a full-time job, <laughs> helped fund that. But that was not sustainable about a year in because that's not how small businesses work. You have to grow, or in my mind, you have to grow as you have the funding for. And so one of the biggest challenges early on was learning how to only grow as you have funding for. So unfortunately, um, I wasn't able to keep everyone on the staff in the beginning, which was so awful because I get into a people business because I care about people. Um, And, you know, I had more credit card Uh, bills than I would have liked in my first year. So that was a big lesson that I've learned from since. What would be your advice to someone who is about to make the leap? They've got a full-time job, they're ready to leave it and go do their own thing. And this is where I'm going to ask you to put your tutor hat on and and share some (laughs) things that you may have learned along the way that might help them. So I think one of the things that I would definitely say is, number one, that you have to view it as a journey and that you're not going to achieve your goals and accomplishments right away. And that's really hard, I think, for entrepreneurs who are smart and ambitious and know that they can do it because they can. It just might be a longer time frame than they planned for. And I say that because you learn things along the way, for instance, like hiring too quickly, that you don't do again. You don't know what you don't know until you do it. And because entrepreneurship is an iterative process and these failures become lessons, you have to be patient with yourself and the time horizon in which success will come. 
And then the second thing is persistence absolutely pays off. So the person who wins is the one who's always persistent. And I still believe that now. I went to a meeting the other day where I uh, heard from the former Starbucks CEO, Howard Schultz, about one of the things that he views as from someone who he thinks is going to be successful in entrepreneurship. He definitely said that. It was just the person who's persistent. So number one, be patient with yourself in the journey. And secondly, just be persistent. I'm looking at the path you've taken, U.S. Foreign Service, teaching, Transcend Academy, the common theme that connects all these together is service and education. How have you been able to align your personal mission with the business mission and make it all work? I started a company doing exactly that, education and service. And that's how I've been able to align my personal mission with my professional mission. And then when you're able to do that, magic happens and the company has just grown. That way, you know, when I go into meetings, whether it's with superintendents or whether it's with politicians or whether it's with an individual student or a school, that same commitment to service and education authentically comes through. And it's also what drives me to make sure that we deliver excellent quality services to each and every organization and person we work with. As a woman... What advice would you give to other women out there who are juggling all these responsibilities? Mother, wife, entrepreneur, CEO. What would your advice be to other women out there who are juggling all these responsibilities and trying to find time to hustle, you know, in pursuit of their dreams? Oh my gosh, I would tell them what I tell myself almost every day. Girl, give yourself a break. <laughs> We're all just trying to make it. I mean, I have two young children right now, um, two little boys, one and four years old. I am trying to run a company. I'm still trying to grow the company to serve more students in line with my personal and professional passions. And I have a husband who I should make more date night time for. (laughs) So (laughs) girl, just give yourself a break. It's okay. Life's going to work out. Your children are going to be fine. Your family is going to be fine. Your business is going to be fine. But you have to take care of yourself first. And so that would probably be what I would recommend to other women out there. Staying on the family theme for a second, I have to ask, the day you told your parents you were going to start your own business, what was the reaction? (laughs) I think it was a mixed reaction. You know, I expected me to tell them they would meet it with great excitement because they they would be like, oh my gosh, she's going to do what we did. And I think they met it with mixed excitement um, and mixed reviews. Number one, you know, they worked so hard as an entrepreneur to give me opportunities for education, to have a good, stable, progressively growing job, you know, where I could climb up that ladder and, and, and do wonderful things because they knew how hard work it takes to do it. But on the other hand, they also knew the wonderful benefits that an entrepreneurship journey can bring, Um, being in terms with connecting with your family, if you are mindful of that, connecting with the greater community, and then ultimately being able to provide for your family in the future. So I think they've met it with mixed results, but I think that they're proud of me now. What are some of the things you learned from your parents about what it means to be a small business owner? What did they teach you early on? I mean, you were there, you watched them put in the late nights and weekends. What did you learn from them early on that's carried with you through the years? I think the biggest thing I've learned from them is confidence. Being able to see two immigrants from Vietnam come to the United States 
not know English, raised six children in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, where they didn't have family, but they did have a supportive community. And then start a business, sell it, start another one, grow it, raise a family, send kids to college. Man, seeing them do all that gave me the confidence that I can do whatever I want to. I grew up in the United States. I speak English. Okay. You know, I have good degrees. I have great opportunities. I have a wonderful network of friends and family. There's so much I can do and should do as a result. So they've instilled me a lot of confidence in that regard, seeing their own entrepreneurship journey. Tina, as I said early on, your story, your family story, it's the American dream story. It has been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you so much, Lou. I really appreciate it. You know, when I asked Tina what she had learned from her parents as small business owners, she simply said, confidence. Tina's parents gave her the confidence to dream. And in turn, she's trying to give that back to others through service and education. And she's trying to instill that confidence in her students so they reach and stretch for their own dreams. When Tina thinks about the everyday challenges she faces in her own life, she thinks of the journey her parents have taken to give her the opportunity she has today. I'm sure she said to herself more than once, if they can do that, I can do anything. As an entrepreneur, the battle between doubt and confidence will always be there. Doubt will make you hesitate before each step you take along the way. Confidence will push you forward because there's nothing that's going to get in your way. If you're thinking about starting your own business, or if you already have, never forget that it's confidence that put you in a position to chase after your dream. You can do this, and there should be no doubt about it. That's our show for today. If you've enjoyed listening, please subscribe, rate us, and write a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It helps new listeners find the show, and we greatly appreciate your support. If you know someone who has a great side hustle to small business story to share, drop us a line at hiscox.com slash side hustle to small business. Side hustle to small business is produced by Hiscox Insurance. I'm Lucas Al. It's time to stop listening and start hustling. This podcast is provided as general information only and is not intended to be business, insurance, or legal advice for any particular person or entity.